Hello and welcome to the Catholic Information Center. My name is Rosemary Eldridge and I'm delighted to be here today with Catholic beauty consultant and author Nicole Caruso. She's here today to discuss her new book, Worthy of Wearing, which you can purchase at the CIC bookstore. To learn more about Nicole's career, please read the video description below. And I'd like to take a quick second to encourage you to follow us on social media and to sign up for our e-newsletter. This is the best way to stay up to date on all the intellectual and spiritual programming that the CIC has to offer. And with the housekeeping taken care of, I give the screen to Nicole Caruso. Thank you. Hi everyone, it's so wonderful to be here with all of you tonight and thank you for those of you who are watching the live stream. Um, it's just an honor. This is my first book. This is my first time getting to speak with all of you in person. It's just a wonderful joy. And I'm so excited to talk about this book because it has truly been 32 years in the making. Uh, I've just something I've thought about as a young girl, always hoping that there would be a, an opportunity for me to create a book, not only about style, but of course, as I grew in my faith, really incorporating the why behind how we dress, what it means, and what it means to be a woman right now in this world, um, especially a woman of faith. So um, for those of you who don't know uh, what Worthy of Wearing is, I just want to share a little bit about that with you. And it really is, it started out as this mindset for me that I really struggled with as a new mom. I had uh, a little daughter and then realized I had this closet full of clothes that I was wearing as working in fashion in New York and going to different events. And, and I would wake up every day and keep reaching for the same kind of plain clothes that I felt like were a safe space for motherhood. It didn't matter if they got stained. It didn't matter if they got ripped. And there was this dissonance where there was this kind of fashion girl closet and then this sort of practical uh, need that was being filled, but I wasn't feeling like myself. And so when I had my second child, my son, I noticed this pattern happen again. And I thought, okay, there has to be something to this. There's something deeper going on here where I feel like those clothes are to be seen or they're meant for an occasion uh, rather than me myself feeling like they're meant for me and for my for, for me to have joy in my daily life. Um, so that's where the mindset comes from. It's just this idea that we are worthy of wearing things that make us feel beautiful, that make us have delight, that give us a little bit of joy. Um, and no, they don't add to our worth. Our worth is inherent from God, but that we can reflect the beauty and love that we have in our hearts um, with the way that we dress and kind of give that more freely to others. And then of course, as I shared this message with other women who said, oh my gosh, I've been feeling the same way, it became a hashtag on social media. So we all started sharing our stories and our experiences together and really formed a community. So it became a little bit of a movement uh, and it's just been wonderful and humbling to see how much it's grown, to see the stories that all of you have shared um, and to see the way that confidence just starts to bubble up when we can find those right things that make us feel good in our own skin and really suit our state in life. Um, so, you know, I love this, this idea, this, this has been proven in psychology. We have about seven seconds to make a first impression. And you think about, you know, how you, we meet people all the time, whether it's at the grocery store, whether it's, you know, that meet cute with someone that you potentially would want to date or marry, you know, all these wonderful meetings that we have and these beautiful opportunities that our Lord gives us to show our authentic, you know, love, our authentic Christianity and our authentic femininity. And of course, masculinity for those men that are here tonight. Um, and 
I think there's something that we're missing in our culture today. I don't think we realize the impact that it has when we aren't feeling good, so we are turned inward. Uh, we're not feeling confident, so we're really insecure, and we're focused on ourselves. And uh, when I was working at a fashion uh, showroom in New York City, I was an intern, and I was brought into the VPs of sales office. She said, Nicole, and so I was like, oh my gosh, she called me in her office. It was a very exciting moment because I was a lowly intern. And she had this job for me that was kind of more than what a normal intern would get to do. So I could tell this was a great opportunity. But I looked down and my belt buckle had shifted from the front of my outfit to the side. And I got so distracted thinking that she was going to be noticing that my belt buckle had moved <laughs> that I completely ignored everything she was saying and totally missed an opportunity to do good work, to make a great impression. And you know, then this insecurity took over and I lost this chance. And it was a great learning lesson for me in not only wearing things that are, you know, you feel great in that are work for your office environment or wherever you are, um, but that also can help you be more present to the people that you're serving, the people that you're with, no matter what your state in life is. Um, the other beautiful thing that we can do, and especially I think as women, we can sort of connect with other women when we see something as a, an approachable you know, subject matter, like, I like your shoes. <laughs> Sometimes I like your shoes turns into a heart to heart. Sometimes it turns into a new friend or someone you can invite to your gospel study. Um, it really can be a bridge to form a connection with someone, create a relationship, and really just have a chance to go deeper, you know, to um, be, have a point of evangelization. Um, and I know there's a lot of young professionals here tonight who have been through the, you know, interviewing circuit, probably through the dating circuit, uh, sitting across the table from people trying to get to know them and have them get to know you and your story. Um, and it truly is uh, an expression of your professionalism, your work ethic, your attention to detail, your story, the way that you show up to these meetings. You know, you wouldn't wear a tennis outfit to an interview. You wouldn't wear a suit to play tennis. So it's important to think about what these contexts are and how we, how we fulfill them. Um, so, you know, just to further that point, it, it's important for us to think about our self-presentation. And so, and doing it in a very intentional way. It's very easy, I think, and especially, you know, that's why this book is a kind of a, a, new, uh, a, a new topic for a lot of us because we haven't really talked about the why behind the self-presentation. It's usually just materialism, vanity, trying to look the part, trying to have the bag, trying to you know, assimilate into a culture and not know the reason why you're doing that. Um, but it really dignifies who you are, who Christ made you to be, and it also dignifies the people that you're with. So when you dress well for an interview, that not only dignifies your gifts, your talents, your story, but it also dignifies to the person who's sitting across from you, showing that you respect them as well. Um, so I just invite all of you tonight to consider your own story, to consider your own gifts, your mission, um, and really understand how you have so much to contribute to society that in, in a beautiful way, Christ has given you a mission so specific to you and your gifts. Um, how can you use clothing to express who you are in a very genuine, authentic way? The reason why Worthy of Wearing is not a book about how to dress a certain way is because we are all different. We all have unique, uh, unique features, unique styles, unique likes and dislikes, and I really want all of you to embrace that and find little intentional ways to dress in a way that really shows who you really are. Um, you know, as Christians and as Catholics, we represent Christ in the world, so other people are watching. They see us, 
and they think, is that what it means to be a Catholic? Is that what it means to be a Catholic? And I recently had a friend say to me, could you imagine if someone walked by of, you know, a very well-dressed, uh, tidy-looking appearance and someone said, I bet she's Catholic. Like, could you imagine? <laughs> you know, I don't think that's necessarily what's been going on uh, in pop culture, but I think we have an opportunity to represent Christ in that way, to show that dignity, to show that we represent him here, um, not being, of course, in, of the world, but living in the world in a very relevant and approachable way. Um, and a lot of you already know this, but, you know, because our identity is rooted in Christ, um, because we're made in his image and likeness, um, how we live our life also speaks to how we should dress. Um, so having these contexts that we're in, you know, it wouldn't make sense for someone who works on a farm to have 50 different pairs of stilettos. Just the way that, you know, all of you working in offices aren't probably weren't wearing hiking boots to work every day. You know, finding things that you feel work in your state in life right now. Um, and the reason why I've kind of honed this as my mission is because some of the deepest wounds that I experienced growing up came from a lack of self-worth. So I love to speak about this because it's something that I walked um, with heavy heartedness and, and really found a lot of healing in um, to see that, okay, maybe I was bullied, maybe I was teased, maybe all of these things happened that made me feel like I did not matter. But when I went to a retreat as a ninth grader um, that I was forced to go on by my mom, praise God for that, uh, <laughs> there was a man there speaking and he gave his testimony. And he had been in a band uh, with Billy Joel. He had been just living this like rock and roll lifestyle and just had a moment where it all came crashing down. And he, uh, in the room we were in, there was a life-size, life-size crucifix of Jesus. And it was something that if you weren't in touch with, like for me as a, as a you know, young adult, I wasn't in touch with what that meant. I just looked at it sort of as an ornament because I grew up as an Italian American, but it was very much cultural to be Catholic. So, you know, you got your sacraments, but there really wasn't a, a why for me there. Um, but when this man pointed up to the crucifix and said, he died for you, he died because he loves you you're the one of the 99 he wants to come back to the flock it still makes me a little bit emotional because i think that truly pierced my heart i looked at our lord there on the cross pierced for me and it just gave this whole new sense of what worth is we are worthy because he says we're worthy he died for us because he believes we're worthy so yes we're creatures and and yes you know he made us and and we're not like god in any way but we are special to him and he showed us that and he showed us how how dear and, and how much he how tender how tenderly he looks at us um so you know during that phase of life like any teenager uh who was sort of lost in the sauce as my dad likes to say uh <laughs> i you know turned to pop culture to help me figure out what it meant to be a woman so i watched reality tv i was watching celebrity gossip shows on all the reward red carpets and um, and, and all of these things to try to find out, is that what it means to be a woman? Is that what it means to be a woman? And I kept falling up, sh coming up short thinking, I don't look like her. I haven't won an award for my you know, work in a movie. I haven't, you know, I'm not a model. I'm not even working at a magazine. And so it, it, there was just this idea of beauty that was so very narrow. And I just felt so outside of that. So I thought, gosh, if I'm not in that, 
then I'm not beautiful, I'm not worthy. And I think this has been perpetuated in our culture even to now and probably more so now that we don't see our worth because we're looking to pop culture to tell us we're worthy and they never will. Their scope of beauty is so very small and it's so sad. Um, and having worked backstage at Fashion Week in New York, having dressed models on, you know, getting ready to go out onto the runway and just seeing the nervousness seeing their their almost fear of like if i if i mess this up i'm done i'm done forever um it was it was a huge reality check and seeing how, the dignity of these women and how it was diminished so much and it was like the veil was lifted because these beautiful faces in the magazines were nervous they were scared they were worried about this one little red spot on their face they were worried about being bloated and all these things and i just had never known that so for me seeing that firsthand was jarring because I thought these are the women I'm trying to be like and yet they're so afraid too. They feel worried too. They feel insecure too. Um, <clears throat> so I like to use this phrase, I want you to invest in your self-worth. So what does that exactly mean? An investment always implies there's a risk. There's a risk involved. So you may leave here tonight or, or finish watching this tonight and think, okay, I get it. I get that I'm worthy. I get that I'm valuable. God loves me. I'm made in his image. How do I live this out? And it really, it, it truly comes down to making very concrete habits. And in the book, I, I talk about some of these things and some of the ways that you can do this. But, but really, the first thing we have to do every day is speak to God, is make that time for prayer. There is no amount of no huge bank account with having endless dresses, endless jewelry, endless shoes will ever fill your cup. It will never make you know how deeply loved you are, and it will never give you the self-awareness that you can have when you simply ask our Lord, please, Lord, tell me how you see me. Let me see myself in the way that you see me. Let me value myself the way that you value me. Because all of these things are fun, clothing is fun, accessories are fun, but they're never going to add to our worth and they're never going to give us the steadfast peace that comes from having a deep relationship with our Lord. So I encourage all of you, have your morning routine, spend 10 minutes in prayer, read the scripture, get to know our Lord's voice so that when you are discerning something, you know when it's him and you know when he's asking you to make a move. Um, and after having that time in prayer, we become more in tune with the person Christ made us to be. We have that surrender and we have that abandonment knowing that he ultimately wants the greatest good for us. And through that, that is where we discover our authentic femininity, our authentic masculinity. It's when we get to know who Christ made us to be and what he made us for. Um, so, you know, we of course are spiritual beings, but we are also physical beings. And so I love to just talk about these habits that we can build where we not only care for our souls with prayer, but also care for our physical body. You know, we know, especially after last year, that we are not guaranteed a day. We know how precious life is. And so I just encourage you to have an act of gratitude. Thank you, Lord, for this new day. I'm gonna take care of this body that you gave me to honor you, to give glory to you, to you know have energy and have joy and have cheerful disposition to the people that I'm serving every day. Um, I know it's easy for us to look at the fashion industry and think, okay, that's what I'm supposed to do. That's what I'm supposed to wear. I have to follow this trend in order to be relevant. 
But um, in, in the Worthy of Wearing book, I wanted you to see real women. I wanted you to see women that shopped their own closets, that had their, you know, they're not models, they're friends, they're family. Um, I wanted you to see their authentic joy and get to know that this message is for every person. This is not just for one type of person, one type of budget, one type of style. We are all gonna express who God made us to be in a very unique way. And so we have to give ourselves the space, of course, to do that and to let ourselves have a little bit of fun because we don't have to take this so seriously. <laughs> um, our style is an expression and it can be playful. It can be, it can be an expression of a, a trip you went on. It can be something in a movie that you watched that you just fell in love with. And it's okay to you know, let that change with every season of your life, but always staying true, of course, to that authentic self. Um, so I just know that when we feel this confidence in Christ, our joy is contagious. Our confidence in knowing that Christ has our back in everything we do um, gives us a disposition of peace that we can really bring joy to every person, no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, no matter what our job is or what our state in life is. Um, we really are called to this new evangelization. We're called to show people what it means to be Catholic. And I truly believe that if we're called to live in the world, um, we really have a great duty to represent Christ very well. So I hope that all of you can um, embrace this message in your own life. Your confidence does grow in knowing that you're beautiful and that God loves you and that you are worthy and valued. Um, and I pray that we can all use the gifts that we have to build the kingdom of Christ on earth. So I'm just very grateful for all of you being here with me tonight. And um, we have some, some fun things coming with Worthy of Wearing. There's lots of, lots of wonderful things where I feel the Holy Spirit is working. But the, the newest thing coming is in July, we're going to be doing a Worthy of Wearing challenge, which is in the back of the book, um, where we can kind of gather as a community and sort of start to live out some of these prompts, see how they work for us, kind of build that muscle memory, make some good habits around this, and really see uh, what beautiful things can come from that. So um, I'm very just happy and grateful to be with here with all of you. I'm so grateful for the ways that God blessed this project um, in every little detail, and uh, I'm just so grateful. So thank you all for being here tonight. If you have a question, please raise your hand and I'll bring the mic to you. And don't be shy. We're all friends here. Hi, thank you. Uh, I got in a little late, so I didn't uh, you took this up before I got here, but um, the question I have is pertaining to apparel, specifically the fashion industry is one that is uh, quite both environmentally taxing and there are lots of uh, sort of labor abuses throughout the supply chain and uh, maybe to what extent do you in the book or just say like how can we as Catholics be mindful of those things in addition to portraying Christ or representing Christ through our uh, apparel? That's a great question. Um, you know, we're all called to be good stewards, uh, both of our body, our finances, our, our material goods. And I think you, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. The fashion industry has a lot of, um, 
I guess for lack of a better word, shady practices, uh, whether it's the supply chain, the labor, um, even the interns, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> struggle. Um, so I, we know that, and there is there is so much work to be done there. But I think there are there is a new movement toward um, more transparency with brands, and also uh, just having a more ethical um, framework. Now, this is tricky because there are lots of brands claiming to be ethical, but they're ethical in maybe one way, or um, maybe they're they've they've fixed this one problem, but they still have this other problem. Um, and of course, we live in the world, right? So we know that there's going to be good with bad. I think the best thing that we can do is, you know, I, I really believe God works in those practical moments. So what is the simplest thing? What is the best use of my money? What is the best use of my time and my space in my closet? So I love thrifting. I love shopping vintage stores. That's, a, that's number one place to go when you're trying to make sure you're not rebuying or maybe you're not supporting a brand that doesn't um, fall in line with the teachings of the church, which 99% of them probably don't. Um, but the other thing that we can do, and I don't know if this is talked about as widely, but you know, you think of stores like TJ Maxx or Overstock or any of these sort of stores that are trying to capture what has already been made. Um, I personally, it's, it's my personal opinion, feel that that is an ethical place to shop because those clothing things are just going to end up in a dumpster somewhere. So they send them off. Like when we, were, when I was working in in this specific fashion brand, um, we had this one floor that was like everything that didn't get purchased, basically. So we would sell that then to TJ Maxx or to Marshalls or a store like that, where they could then disperse it. So you have to think like, okay, am I getting in the weeds here? You know, it, but. Ultimately, um, shopping at places like that, you're preventing it from hitting a landfill, essentially. So it, it is important to take these things to discernment, but I, I know this is tricky because a lot of us have little kids. We're on a budget. We're trying to do the, the next best thing. Um, so I think being a very wise shopper in you know, asking questions, uh, demanding more from brands, more transparency from brands, um, but also doing what is, is simple for you, you know, for your family. Uh, and yeah, I guess I could probably go on, but I don't want to <laughs> go too too much further. But if you have another follow-up question or um, another question, I'm happy to, to answer that, sure. Hello. Hi. I'm interested in what you think of the slow fashion movement, particularly in light of its ability to remedy a lot of the issues because it takes significantly longer to go from desire to having, et cetera. Yes, I think this is this is really great. I think it, it especially helps us. We already know what the what it's like to have detachment, you know, detachment from getting that thing and filling it in your closet immediately. So a slow fashion is a great remedy to that in that you put your order in with a brand, they take your measurements. It's much more like custom clothing. And so you're not going out to H&M and buying the shirt that you saw you know, a friend wear and popping it in your closet. You're really being much more intentional to find things that really fit your body and having more of like that kind of capsule wardrobe um, but you do of course have to wait for it to the garment to be made so it doesn't have that same uh, gratific instant gratification um, so I think that's something that we all are familiar with that virtue of just waiting you know waiting waiting on the Lord and also waiting for your clothing um, and I think also just being good stewards of not having excess 
that's another thing too. You know, we, I, I think as Americans, no matter what, we, we always have a little bit more than we need. So it's great for us to go through our clothes and say, okay, I don't need 60% of this. I can pass this on, I can donate it, I can sell it, I can do a clothing swap. And I think that also is a great way for us to just be more mindful of what do we actually have, what do we actually wear, um, and that way we're not kind of in this rat race of just, I want the instant gratification, I'm gonna run to the store, buy the thing, get it home, wear it three times, and then it sits in your closet. Um. I have a follow-up question from the first question that we got. Something that I've noticed on the online market when looking for clothing that's sustainable, that's ethically made and sourced, is that these pieces of clothing are expensive and aren't necessarily accessible. Are you able to speak to that at all on what we can do as a consumer to not just demand clothing that's ethically and sustainably made, but that's affordable to the masses? This is gonna be the hardest thing, I think, for the industry to sort of catch up because ultimately an ethically made garment is going to be done by hand to the, for the most part. You know, So you're paying um, for the labor, you're paying for the beautiful quality. But I think at the end of the day, if you're able to forego six new shirts for one really great new shirt, um, then of course you would save all of those six shirts cost for this one. Um, but of course it does take patience and it does take time. And then I think it also um, takes a simplicity that I think we're not always comfortable with because we want to have the new shirt five days a week or whatever at, at, at work or wherever we are. And I think um, having a more simplistic view of like, this is my uniform. This is what I wear every week. And, uh, and these are sort of my five pieces that I like. Um, so, you know, I think there's, there's a simplicity in that. And, and I particularly am one that likes to know these are the things that work for me. Th this is how I put them together. And it sort of becomes effortless and you don't have to think so much every time you get dressed. Does this match? Does it not? That type of thing. Thank you for your presentation. Uh, well, one of my questions, and I'm just gonna do one and, and see what other questions come up from other folks here, but, um, but you know, there are some of us who feel very comfortable and have felt very comfortable for a long time on choosing clothing. And then there, there are other you know, men and women you know, who, uh, who don't. Mm -hmm. So how is it that, how do you approach um, putting the word out, talking with someone about about creating an image, something that that person is comfortable with, when that person isn't feels very uncomfortable shopping. You mm. know, we call shopping. That's a great question. I think um, you know we all have loved that show, What Not to Wear, because we got to see <laughs> people try on clothes that they never would have worn. And I think there's something to that. Um, and and I was talking with someone about you know, why they like Stitch Fix, because Stitch Fix is basically a box of clothes that comes every month um, that you don't necessarily, you wouldn't necessarily have picked out on your own, but then once you try them on, you're like, oh, okay, this person actually like put some thought into this and I actually like how it looks on my body. So I think for those folks, um, maybe they don't wanna go through the, <laughs> you know, the walk through the store, but it might behoove them to maybe give someone they trust their measurements say, you know, I like wearing these colors and uh, these are the types of things I need in my wardrobe every week. Uh, and then maybe just bring them all back and let them have that comfort outside of the store to sort of try things on, 
see how they feel and uh, and give them a little bit of like privacy to just like let that sink in because if it's not someone's you know natural environment then of course it's going to take them a, a little time to think to feel it to say okay are you sure they're going to need some affirmation um, but you know, I think that's honestly more common is that people this is not something most people are uh, is, is on their radar and actually when I first got married to my husband um, we were out shopping and I pulled something up and I said oh honey this is totally your style and he's like I don't have a style and I was like of course you do you have a style like you put clothes on you have a style but he didn't it was totally like an unintentional thing for him so the, the pleated khakis and the polos were kind of his go-to because it was like this is what men wear right you know but um, over time it was kind of like uncovering what do you like about that? What colors, you know, make your eyes look even more blue and things like that? I think it um, really boosted his confidence and made him feel like I don't, you know, it's not strange that I have a style, but these are just like clothes that I feel good in. How did you, how did you develop your sense of style? Um, well, I think it has changed for different seasons of life. So I think, you know, what I wore in high school was not what I wore in college, was not what I wore as a new employee, was not what I wore as a new mom. So, um, but I think the common thread uh, all of these years has been, um, I've, I was born in New York and I always lived close to there. So um, I have a lot of black in my closet <laughs> because New Yorkers love their black. Um, but I also grew up in Connecticut, so I've always loved the sort of like classic button down, you know, the, um, a great pair of jeans. And so in the book, I actually give a few names of certain types of styles that I feel like help us to understand, okay, I keep gravitating toward that really floral paisley dress. Maybe that means I like a more bohemian style, or maybe I love ruffles and eyelet and, you know, light pink and tulle, and maybe I have a more demure style. So I wanted to give some words to that. Um, but I think my, my words would probably be um, a little bit Americana, um, a little bit European chic, because I mean, the French always look so simple and effortless, and I love that. Um, and then of course, that like New York thread running through all of that. Thank you so much Aww. for writing this book. <laughs> I am so inspired by your ability to conceptualize what the dignity of woman looks like. And what you have done for me is you have put into action what St. John Paul wrote in his letter to women on the dignity of woman as a vocation. So Madame, bravo to oh, you, you, and <laughs> on to your next book. Oh. Um, and I stand ready to support you thank in, in you. any way. So thank you. Thank you to you, and thank you for the Catholic Information Center for making this event happen for us women as a vocation. Wow, thank you so much. So beautiful. So, is this, can you hear me? Okay, great. <laughs> um, I kind of find that like in professional style, like there's just like the typical where your slacks, your blouse, your cardigan, and it looks really like frumpy. And I, <laughs> I want to like, you know, look professional, but also have like some style. So what would be your advice in that? 
I would say, you know, wear the tailored clothing that is appropriate for corporate life, but have fun with color. Have fun with your shoes. Have fun with your outerwear. Have fun with your jewelry. Um, you can look corporate, but also show your personality, and that might take a little more digging past the navy pants and the khaki trench coat. Uh, but you can really try to find some prints that, you know, maybe you're not wearing a big, loud, you know, large scale floral print, but maybe you're wearing a little micro floral print and maybe it matches your shoes and it might be a bit more subtle, but I think there are ways to use those like certain shapes that look appropriate in an office setting and just have a little more fun with the flow of the outfit and sort of how you can show your personality with colors and prints and things like that. So we talked a little bit about um, ethically sourced clothing, and another thing I run into is finding stuff that like is morally modest and something I'm interested in wearing. Um, and so some brands, I'm just you know this this dress is from a small Mormon company in Utah that I found recently. <laughs> so what can we do to kind of encourage that? Because I think there is something to kind of protecting and guarding your heart that goes into fashion and how you present yourself, which also is not mainstream in any of these brands. So what can we do in terms of kind of affecting more of a the Catholic woman in fashion in terms of the brands and the designers and what could we do to kind of have brands that we can, like maybe it's even starting or I was wondering if you've seen any of this in your work in the fashion industry. I've seen a small return to a more modest sense of dress in some ways, but then in other ways, like you open one Vogue and you're like, no, 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 that's not even close to happening. <laughs> so um, it really relies on us. That's why this message is so important. We are going to lead this charge. There is no one else who's going to do it for us. We have to show other women. We have to show our daughters, the future generations, our nieces and our cousins, this is what it looks like to be an authentic Catholic woman. Um, and it takes a lot more groundwork. Like we are the ones going and going through all the racks and trying things on and it is, it can be exhausting. But I think once you know your body pretty well, it's, it's much easier to say, okay, that's a no, that's a no, that's a no. You'll start to sort of start to recognize that. So um, I don't know where the fashion industry is going to go, but I do know um, that we can sh wear things that still dignify us, that are still stylish and fun. I mean, I'm wearing like a jumpsuit right now that has these crazy big legs and it's super fun to walk in. Um, but I feel comfortable because I know that my neckline is super tidy and I don't have to think about it and I don't have to worry about it. Um, so I love using the visual vision board tool Pinterest because yes, it, you can type in something and be like, oh, this is totally not what I was looking for. But you can also, um, what, it, what it does is once you find one picture that you really like, it'll start populating with other ones that are similar. So that's what I end up doing is I save these and then when I am creating a list to go shopping, I'm saying, okay, there's a hole in my closet for you know, a black pair of pants and I wanna wear it in this specific way. So next time I go shopping on my little to buy list is that black pair of pants. And the thing that's great about that that is more ethical is that we're not buying all this stuff hoping it makes sense. We're buying the one thing we need, wearing it until it falls apart, <laughs> and, uh, and also knowing that it's gonna suit our shape and our body. And, and I talk about this in the book, but I really encourage you to take your clothing for a test drive. Like, don't wear a new dress for the first time to mass on Sunday, unless you've tried it on, you've worn it at home, you've bent down, you've genuflected, I mean practice, I'm serious. Because the last thing you want to do is 
show up to mass and have like a malfunction in your wardrobe and be like, oh my gosh, I didn't test drive this first. So I think it's an important thing to do too. Um, make sure we're buying clothes that actually fits our body and isn't just something that we're trying to um, mimic from like a friend or a colleague or someone who we think is like a great style muse. Um, really n having that um, awareness of like maybe she can wear a scoop neck but for me it doesn't work or maybe this person looks great in this shape dress but for my body it doesn't look as modest so you know what looks modest on one person could not on the other and I think it's also for us to that's why there is no book about these are the rules for modesty <laughs> because we're all different we have different torso sizes we have different hips we have different shoulders and it's impossible to uh, write down all those things for each person but I think the thing we can take away is we know when we feel good in something, when something fits us, and we know, we know when something is off. Like you know it, you know the feeling where you're like making sure your hem of your dress is still there so you keep sort of putting your finger like, you know, or we know when the pants are too tight and you have to feel like you keep sucking into your rib cage, you know, we, you can feel it, you know, so go with that. Um, and try to, it's, it's going to take time, but if you, I think if you invest in some pieces that are good basics, those foundational pieces, then you can sort of build on it. And when you know you find a great dress company, stick with the great dress company. <laughs> Thank you very much. Do you think there's any place for sewing in... In, uh, in the whole thing of ethical, you know. But here's the thing, okay, you sew, everyone, I mean, I sewed my little suit in home ec, right? And it was fine for a ninth grader, but you know, I won't be wearing that now. And to, to get the whole tailoring or the couture sewing, or it's, it's an investment, but do you think that's any, there's any interest in that in terms of creating a, this idea that if you know how much it, cost to make something, you will have a, a greater understanding of the, cl the clothing and maybe a respect for those who have to make it even. I think there is, I mean, I, at least I've been seeing this sort of trend of like slower living, you know, people that are even doing like urban homesteading, they're growing their own herbs, they're sort of getting back to those tenants that made, you know, agricultural families so incredibly amazing. Um, so I think there could be something to your idea, you know, it's, it's a craft, it's something I was not taught, I know a lot of us in this room probably were not taught how to use a sewing machine, I barely can sew a button, <laughs> so, uh, but it's a fabulous idea because then of course you're buying fabric, you're making it to suit your body, it fits your measurements, it's like a win, 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 but uh, I think it's a little but bit of a lost art. <laughs> I know who's really fast. Well, no, there's one. Susan Calgy has these couture sewing classes, mm -hmm. and so she'll teach you how to make a Chanel jacket, for instance. And it, but it's going to take a long time, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. And then you have to be someone who can look good in a Chanel jacket. So I, I've just been debating, you know, this whole thing of uh, because I was involved with this Sew Green, which was up in New York at Cornell. They basically were taking all these fabrics and anything to do with sewing and selling them at a lower price to keep oh. them out of landfills. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I found that very interesting, but I can, I can never see how the, the high fashion and the sewing meet. 
Yes, you know, I, I love high fashion for the artistry, but unfortunately it is not the most practical. <laughs> and I think we all are very, you know, we have very practical day to day, but um, you know, I, I love that idea. I think it would be incredible. I would love to learn how to sew a garment. I think it would be fantastic. So definitely ethical. <laughs> I have a fun question. What is your most worthy of wearing piece in your wardrobe? Like the craziest thing <laughs> and you feel awesome wearing it? And how do we come to a place where we feel like we can invest in something that's like feels out of our, I don't know, comfort zone, but still makes us feel like we're dignified and daughters of God? Well, I would say um, my most jazzy thing in my closet would probably be uh, a vintage sequined top that I, I'm assuming came with a bottom, but I only found the top. Uh, it has a floral pattern with gold and black sequins, and the top has a sheer sweetheart neckline cutout. It's just epic. I found it in, a, in an antique store out in Leesburg, Virginia, and I just, I've worn it a few New Year's Eves. It's just one of those things that you put on and it is so fun and it's a little bit kooky, but that's what makes it so fun. Um, and it just shows that you're, you know, ready for the occasion. Um, and then as far as your second part of your question, would you mind repeating that? Yeah, how do we, you know, get to a place where we feel like we're worthy of wearing something that seems out of our comfort zone, but makes us feel I think, you know, we can take style so seriously. And a lot of us, I believe, um, and just from the stories that I've heard, have some, some shoulds that we were told, like you should not do this, you should not wear that, that color is terrible on you. Um, and I think we have to give ourselves a little bit of space and become more childlike in this arena. Because when I watch my daughter get dressed, um, even if she tries it on and, it's, and she doesn't feel that great in it, it's no sweat off her back. She'll just put something else on. I think we take that so interiorly, like, it's me. I'm the problem. I'm the reason why this dress doesn't look good. And it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, you know, so give ourselves the space to try things on. Um, maybe go a little bit outside of your comfort zone and grab the sequin top for New Year's Eve or, or whatever it is. But I think we all have that, like, sort of going back to that idea of being childlike, we sometimes have this attraction to something where we're like, but it's just so fun and it's just so pretty and maybe I wouldn't wear it every single day, but maybe that one time I do, I'm gonna feel like a princess, you know, or like a prince. <laughs> uh, so I think that's okay and that's good and it's okay to delight in something and find joy in something because I think it shows, you know, we have that sort of natural smile on our face when we have something that's a little bit more special than normal. Anyone who picks up a copy of your book and has it in hand can tell the quality of the book. It's beautiful, the messaging is beautiful, and I think you've taken, uh, you've done a wonderful job at taking the church's truth and beauty on worthiness and, and reflecting that not just in the, the context of the book, but the actual physical material of the book. And oftentimes individuals who are successful at taking church messaging and presenting it to the public in a creative and beautiful way um, can sometimes experience uh, spiritual attacks. Is this anything that you experienced during the creative process uh, of creating this book? Wow, I, yes. <laughs> 
The day that I signed my name on the dotted line, I experienced spiritual warfare in a way that I never have in my entire life. Um, so it was very surprising because I think a lot of us think like, oh, they're just these little, there's just evil spirits. They're just whatever. They're just tempting us, right? And I think I, my whole family, we experienced a little more than temptation. It was like um, just things that would happen in our home or things that would just completely break that you're like, there's no explanation for that. You know, just spirits of chaos, confusion, discouragement, uh, and through spiritual direction, praise God I have a spiritual director <laughs> to walk me with me through this process, really saw that this chaos, this confusion, this, you know, all this discouragement was because this book is this book. And, um, and even though I wrote this book, I felt very much through this experience of spiritual warfare that, uh, and, and through the timing of its release and everything, um, that the evil one did not want this book to be written. <laughs> and I almost gave up many, many times. And it was really through the encouragement of my husband um, and through the encouragement of my spiritual director and just through the friends and family that came and physically came and helped uh, to be there, uh, just showed me how much they adore all of you, all of you who love this message, who share this message, who live this out in your, in your daily life. And it gave me a lot more zeal for this message, um, knowing that the evil one hates it so much that he would go so far <laughs> to show me uh, and in different ways. And so um, I felt a lot of peace and comfort knowing that Christ allowed me to see that so that he would allow me to know that this is something that he truly wanted. And the days that I felt really uh, discouraged, he always provided just an immense consolation of peace and of, of words. I mean, when I did sit down to write, it was like I just could not type fast enough. I mean, truly. Um, and yes, this is a book about style. We know that. Okay, this is not a book about theology. But, uh, but I truly felt there was an attack um, made because uh, we're trying to marry two things that for a very long time have been sort of on opposite ends of the spectrum, and they are very much related. Um, so, uh, Yes, I, I'm not to say anything scary. I mean, it was nothing frightening, uh, but also it was just, it was a show of a hand that uh, this book is going to touch hearts. And from hearing the stories of all of you, I see that and I, I'm very humbled by that, so. Um, I just wanted to let everyone know that there is an immense sewing renaissance going on throughout the world. And don't stop at the big four pattern makers. There, there are Russian patterns that have been translated into English. There are French patterns. There, One can sew and sew amazing things. Um, as well as, since the COVID-19 lockdown, thousands and thousands of women throughout the world decided they would start sewing and now many of them are quite proficient so everything from couture to what's on what's in the shops so. beautiful wonderful i'm glad to hear that i love that So in the age of teleworking, and many of us have still not returned to the office and still have those Zoom meetings, and sometimes some meetings are more important than others, so you want to look good, but you want to be practical, mm -hmm. what tips would you give women who are still teleworking but have those 
meetings with colleagues every day? I would say, um, well, because everything is shoulder up, <laughs> uh, you know, have a few tops that you feel good in that are comfortable, you know, that breathe. Because I think a lot of what I find too, working from home, being in front of screens and lights, it can get very stifling. Um, so you want to wear things that are, you know, are suitable to, you know, wear around the house. Uh, you know, making lunch, making breakfast, working, all these things, but um, but also still look professional. And I think a, a pretty blouse, um, a nice crisp collared shirt, uh, even a beautiful knit, like a beautiful knit piece can just look a little more polished. And I think, you know, have some fun with your earrings if that's something you like. Uh, maybe spend a little bit more time grooming your hair or doing skincare and makeup because obviously that's what they're seeing. Um, and I wouldn't worry too much, you know, uh, outside of whatever makes you feel good working at home. You know, I, know, I know someone who said, I can't work from home without wearing shoes. Like, it's just not something I can do. I was like, that's really interesting. You know, but <laughs> to each her own and to each his own. Um, but, you know, of course, since they're seeing you on camera, you may just want to focus the attention on what's up here. So maybe a blazer, some fun earrings, um, and then something maybe more comfortable on the bottom because you are, of course, sitting for hours and hours. We have time for one, maybe two questions. Thank you so much for everything. Uh, I don't know if this is on. Uh, you've been sharing. Uh, but I was wondering, um, I, I see this how this can be communicated to high schoolers. They're kind of taking this and communicating, I guess, even like middle school girls. What's well, a way to do that, uh, especially because you're in this awkward, you know, maturing phase of your body. So it's not like you really know your body type, really know your confidence, but you still want to communicate those truths. So what's a way to do that without coming all, all higher and, and almighty, um, but still in a way that's attractive? Yeah, I think for middle school and high school students, even college students, like the greatest desire is just to be irrelevant to your peers, to show that you are um, someone that is valuable uh, and to look the part. You know, you want to be, be a member of society. And uh, I think the hardest thing, at least that I experienced, is when you're trying to show your personal style and someone comes cracking down like that's not appropriate for your age or that's not appropriate for this or that's not appropriate for that and you're just feeling like so lost right because like you said you don't know your body your body's changing the hormones all the things um, I think it might be a good tip for you know especially young girls of this age to let them understand color and shape teach them more about those types of things rather than so much like hey we're trying to find you the perfect size pants because obviously like a year from now these pants might not fit you but let's maybe focus more on what that style vision is for them teach them about these certain you know different ways that we can experience style maybe just teach them about what those um what those pillars are like do we like this style do we like that style that way when they are then going and you know kind of stop growing at that point they can say okay i've always loved lace I've always loved stripes. I've always loved X, Y, and Z. And that way they have language to put to the clothing that they're looking for. And they can also know sort of what their likes and dislikes are. Because I think at that age, you're trying to just dress like your friends. And so then you all end up dressing the same. <laughs> and, uh, or like the person who's got you know, the best closet. So um, giving them that space to sort of look at old fashion books, look at, uh, watch some old movies, you know, get some, some cultural reference points and, and let yourself sort of um, fall into that. Like enjoy that and then maybe take from it something that you might want to 
wear in your style, you know, in the here and now, but maybe more intentionally as you grow older. And I talk a lot about Audrey Hepburn in my book because I think she <laughs> is just so elegant. And uh, and she did wear a lot of different types of things too, which is which is fun in her in her movies. So I think it gives a a little bit more of a range um, of sort of what types of styles there are out there. We have time for one more question, and then Nicole, you can give some closing remarks, and the reception will begin. So um, I have a, a difficulty with style. It's sort of the same difficulty that I have when I'm in a, like a modern art gallery. <laughs> I love this comparison. Like, I mean, you try so hard to what do you call it, be charitable and say this, this was an authentic search of meaning and beauty, but you know, can't help but think are they is it just being provocative for its own sake is it a troll is it were they well-intentioned at all and I know for my own part like if this is about developing our own style then I can always just say well I, I don't mind what they're doing I just work on being authentic for myself but when I am responsible for say my daughter's growing sense of style I'll have to be able to more objectively point towards that line between excess and you know, moderation. And it's not just with modesty, it's you know, style in general, like mm -hmm. lines between high fashion and normal fashion or right. other things. And would you have any uh, guidance on being able to draw that line? Yes, I think this, this takes a little bit of discernment because, um, again, going back to that state in life, you know, a child can wear something that's appropriate for a child. How do we know that? Well, because, of course, modesty. Um, but maybe something that just looks more childlike. Like I, on little girls, I love seeing them in little micro florals or little sweet Mary Janes or just big bows. Like, you know, not that every girl loves big bows. I definitely didn't as a child, but, uh, but kind of teaching them the context of like what is appropriate for your age and your, also your state in life. So for little girls, their state in life is being a student, um, being a daughter, um, giving them some little talking points of like, this is what maybe maybe more of like this is what our family identity is you know what is this family culture we're building especially when you're thinking about having daughters um, what is what does our family do and what does our family not do um, I think giving boundaries in this from a very early age is so so important and using that language like this is what our family does this is not what our family does this is how our family dresses for mass this is not how our family dresses for mass because of course we're going to go to church or we're going to go somewhere and I, i've experienced this with my own daughter well she'll say oh mama like why is that you know i can see that whole back of that person you know their whole back is out why you know and so shocked really and and i have to you know kind of get down to her level and really speak to her like honey um, I see that you're distracted by that person's back. Um, I wish we weren't distracted by that person's back. I wish we could maybe get to know her and who she is because God loves her as much as he loves you and me. Um, really in, in, invoking the sense that this person is a child of God, um, but also teaching like, you know, yes, that is distracting. Um, and this is why we don't wear something like this because we want to walk into a room and let someone see our Lord. Let someone see the way he has worked in our life, in our story, 
and um, and it's 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 a lot of discernment to be honest uh, because in each new stage as they get older as they want to look more like their friends as they want the skirt to get shorter and the neckline to get lower it takes so much trust and conf and, and affirmation and I think that's the, that's the key you know whether you have a niece a cousin a daughter um, a woman that is under your care um, and maybe she comes out and she's like all right I'm ready to go and you're like you can't wear that like you can't you have to give her affirmation of that color is amazing on you but we have to tweak it a little bit and add a sweater or we have to tweak it a little bit and put a little tank top underneath or whatever the thing is that we need to do to tweak um, affirm that she has tastes affirm that she has preferences and and affirm what does bring out the best in her and I think in those little small conversations and um, giving her that safe space she will then feel respected and the trust and the relationship will grow so that way it's very dynamic and it's not this sort of thing of like getting shut down feeling like that your parents don't understand you or or that you're taking something you know outside of the norms um, and just letting letting that be a place where they can really confide in you and and look to you for for that guidance just as they do in in other areas Okay. <laughs>